Welcome to the Oh Shit Twins podcast. I'm your host, Georgia Martell. Today we're going to be talking to Marley. Marley has grown a social media account with her cool stick people doodles, which actually caught my attention. She discusses everything from motherhood, birthing, fourth trimester, and everything in between. Today we're going to be talking about midwifery care and her upcoming book, so stay tuned. Hi Marley, just wanted to thank you again for doing the Oh Shit Twins podcast. And today we're going to be just having a quick chat. Marley is a qualified midwife. I believe you do private practice now. Do you still work yes. for the NHS? No, I left the NHS last year. So I'm okay. just um, pretty independent now. Yeah. So being so she's an independent midwife and also very active on social media and has a book coming out. But I kind of... The, Anne is a twin mum, so that's why she's on the podcast. But the main reason that the main main conversation I wanted to have is kind of just around around mid midwifery, and as a lot of new mums go into it, obviously you're walking into something you have no idea of. So kind of how to judge if you're comfortable with your midwife, things to look out for, um, and kind of what I don't know if you would know what kind of rights. She, a new mum will have if they feel like they need to make changes or they're not comfortable with certain things and then we'll go off into your book and all the other exciting stuff that you do so um as a new mum walking in I know for my myself no one really discusses the relationship that you had with have with your midwife um now being a high-risk pregnancy I even though I was seen every two weeks I was always seen by different people um, I know, obviously, with the five times more um, black being, black women being five times more likely to die from childbirth, that they're one of the solutions is continue. Oh God, can I even speak today? Continuity of care—that's the word. <laughs> and one, I would probably ask you as well: How realistic is that? Because with the the, the nature of of birthing is so unpredictable, so how do you what, what's your kind of take on that and the realist how realistic it is mm. you know what this whole discussion around continuity of care has been mm. going on since well probably since before I qualified mm. I mean when I started training to be midwife, midwife back in 2005 we were we were talking about continuity of care back then and we're still talking about it now mm. um and we know that having the same midwife or the same team of midwives because it's not realistic unless you're unless you're a unless you're an independent midwife and you're mm-hmm. assigned to women to look after her antenatally, then you're mm-hmm. on call for her birth and then you go to visit her postnatally. It's not realistic. Um, really, it was in the NHS for one for one midwife yeah. to follow them through. So, what we used to so, so many years ago when I was training, we had um, uh, I, I worked within a small team. Um, mm-hmm. like, we called domino midwives and what they did was so they'd have like two or three midwives assigned to one woman so what it okay. meant was who would look after her through the pregnancy through the birth and then mm-hmm. so what it meant is is that the midwife would get to know all three of them yeah and that any one of them could be available for the birth mm-hmm. right it was more realistic because what we've got to remember is midwives have families of midwives, course. midwives are sick Mm-hmm. midwives have children that might break an ankle or something mm-hmm. you know so you never know or might be on holiday when you go going to labor so you can't I, I think it's yeah I think it's it's, it's probably un- unrealistic to expect um you know to have real continuity with, with one person but I think working in a small team what would, would work 
some trusts have started to implement that, which is mm-hmm. great. So you have some women that will see um, just, you know, between one and three midwives through her pregnancy. And she knows all of them. She's just got to know them all. Yeah. And she knows well that when she goes into labour, it's going to be one of those midwives. Mm. Um, but not all trusts um, are, are, are kind of offering this at the moment. And also yeah. it depends on things like whether you are um, classed as high risk. Yeah. You know, yeah. If you are high risk, say, for example, you've got um, a heart condition or you're carrying triplets or something, then the likelihood is you're going to be seeing um, a mixture of doctors and midwives. So yeah. you'll probably see a consultant at some appointments or one of the consultants team. Mm-hmm. And then you probably see a midwife as well. But when you go to the birth, if that doctor isn't on call or those midwives aren't working, you're going to just see whoever's on the ward at the time. Yeah, yeah. So it's really tricky. We do know that it does make a difference. I mean, even now, the clients that I have, the women that I see through pregnancy, um, they're always saying to me, you know, that they feel much more comfortable, hmm. um, you know, because they've got one midwife. One of my one of my, my most recent clients, she um, shares her care between me and the NHS. So she still goes okay. to all of her NHS appointments, but she sees me as well. And she said to me the other day, she said, Marley, you know what? And, this is, and she'd had her baby a few days ago. And she said, you know what? You're the only person I've seen consistently throughout this, mm. this whole experience. Mm. And um, whenever she went for her appointments, it was a different midwife every time. And also, you've got to consider the midwife's working pattern. So when I was on yeah. the NHS, yeah. mm. the community midwife, I only worked part-time mm. because of my children. I, I could never work. The, the job is very, very stressful. It's rewarding, but it's stressful. Yeah. And uh, I I rate my, my colleagues who, who work in 40-hour weeks because... It's never 40 hours. It's always more than that. Mm. And it's incredibly draining. So when you're only working like me, I, I was doing like 22 and a half hours. So I've like two, two days, one week, three days the next week. Mm-hmm. Um, there are going to be times when you are, someone else is going to be running your clinic because you're mm. not in on that. Yeah, clinic. of course. So yeah, it, it's, it's a difficult one. It does. It, it can make a difference if it happens, mm. <laughs> but it's trying to implement that properly. And of of course, is are they even willing to look at changing whole patterns of work, people's pattern mm-hmm. of work, and things to make it happen? It's 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 a huge it's a huge task. Um. So as a new mom coming into to, to meet their midwife, kind of what what would you kind of suggest as the things they should maybe even ask for their own self or just be aware of if they feel like you know maybe they're not getting the care that they need. Um, so, and this happens quite often, you know, somebody will go in, go in to get booked, like their booking appointment or something, yeah. initial booking mm-hmm. and the chemistry just isn't there, yeah. you know, immediately they're like, Mm-mm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't connect well with this person, this health professional. Mm. And, um, if that happens, whether it be a midwife or a doctor, then you're well within your rights to, um, ask for a change. Now, obviously, you know, you're not going to sort of say there and then, hey, I don't want you. Can you go find another, <laughs> another midwife? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. That's a bit awkward. So what you would do if if you feel like um, perhaps you're having a conversation and you don't get on with that person or they um, perhaps aren't listening to, to, to what your hopes and your wishes are for your pregnancy and for your birth, then you can contact um, the antenatal clinic manager or the head of midwifery and just say, Hey, um, would would it be possible for me to me to change midwife and that's it, or change mm. doctor, um, and they are obliged to do that. 
I know in my case, mm-hmm. in my case, I, it was the con- consultants I didn't, didn't, I didn't like, um, it's something I didn't like, I just didn't like the way I felt like they spoke at me, not to me. And right. it was very much so, um, oh yeah, t- yeah, just telling me you're going to have a cesarean, we're booking you in around this day and whatever. And I'm sitting there like, I don't want to have a cesarean. Not because mm. I have an issue with cesarean, but if I don't need it, I don't want it. Like, I don't want it. I'm going to have two babies to look after, you mm. know, my other half self-employed, I've got stairs in my flat. Like, you know, it's just it, all these things mm. are running through my mind. So it, mm. and then I was going to King's every two weeks for my scans. And then I was getting completely different energy and vibe from them are being told they're like oh yeah you can you know you, you can be do lots of twin natural births that's that's no that's no issue so for me it was just like I'm not I didn't feel supported so I ended up changing my whole hospital but right. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I wasn't I wasn't happy I went to two two different appointments at, at said hospital and I was like no 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 I can't this is this is I left there feeling anxious I didn't leave there feeling positive that I was going to go and have my babies so I just cha- I changed my whole hospital and mm. when I usually tell people that they're quite surprised but it was a bit of a process I'm not even gonna it wasn't an easy process it took a few weeks mm. but, but it um, can be done it can, can be, be done. done it can be done it can be done um how do you feel obviously because I don't you you so did you leave during the pandemic or just after or before? before just before just okay before. yeah you know what I, I kind of felt guilty because mm. um I mean when I so I had my my last my fifth baby in, in 2019 yes. January mm-hmm. and then <clears throat> by the following January I was um basically leaving the NHS mm. and um because my, my little girl she was one and at that point I'm trying to juggle everything mm. I, it, it, there was kind of like part of me that was I wanted to be able to give better care to women and yeah. I felt that if I went independently, I'd have more time. Like now I go and visit one of my clients. And rather than having a rushed 10 or 15 minute appointment in and out the door, I, I sit in her house and chat to her for an hour and a half, mm. you know, and make sure everything's done thoroughly. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, no. And, and obviously because of my, you know, my personal life, my children, doing mm. the school runs, and stuff, mm. I want to do it how I want to do it. But there was a sense of, oh no, I've left and there's a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I've left all my colleagues, and now they're all, you know, and I was watching, obviously, watching the TV, and I was yeah. hearing, um, I mean, I, I, I just kind of started up on Instagram at that point, and I was kind of watching um, uh, my midwifery colleagues go and do, like, IGM, IG Lives and things, and talk about how difficult everything was. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've kind of left you all in it. So there was a sense of guilt, mm. but then after speaking to other people, they're like, no, Marley, you've done 11 years. Yeah, yeah. Working and giving your all, and you've done your bit and, and you've done all that while she's, while she's raising a family. Mm. So don't feel guilty. Don't feel bad about it. You're still helping women. Um, and I continue to do so online. You know, at that point, I think at that point I was getting about 30, 40 DMs a week from people and I would answer them. Mm. I would answer them. More. And then the pandemic hit and um, I started getting about three to 400 a week. Yeah. And it got to where I, was like, I, I can't, I just can't keep answering everyone's personal questions. Mm. Although everybody was obviously really anxious, mm. um, you know, my other half, Tyrone, he he caught me at one o'clock in the morning, messaging somebody on Instagram. He was like, "Marley, go to sleep. What are you mm. doing? Mm. You know, you can't, you can't be everyone's hero. You can't save everybody and help everyone." So, yeah, it, it was, but that was me trying to make up for leaving the NHS. So yeah. I was just trying to kind of do my do my thing, do my part, you know. 
But then as I've been reading recently about the expected exodus of doctors and midwives and nurses out of the mm. NHS after how they feel they've been treated during this pandemic, which is understandable. Mm. I've just been having those private conversations with people and I'm like, I won't be surprised if there's hardly anyone left by the end on by the end because of how they how they've been treated and you then you're not going to give them you know nurses and doctors a pay rise and things like that and it's just yeah <laughs> it's looking, when, when you think about nhs midwives and how much um they're paid you look at midwives in the united states yeah, even, yeah, like yeah. Labor, even like labor and delivery nurses who yep who, i like midwives but they just don't catch the baby they do everything else but catch the baby mm-hmm. um they get paid like twice three times as much yeah yeah you know mm-hmm. and it's just like what you know what is going on for for what what we do over here and for the workload and, the, and those mm-hmm. doctors as well especially like the junior doctors that are running around you know they're going from a and e to department to department um and they're totally rushed off their feet and shattered okay they, they do get paid more <laughs> um but still it's not i, I still don't think um that unless you're a, a, a chairman or a, or a consultant that you don't really get paid for what you do for definitely a- definitely because i've i've got a family that um have got gone into midwifery and i've got, mm. got a doctor and literally i said to them okay if you're going to do it just make sure you've got an exit plan to leave because um, mm. i know that might sound bad but it's just like you get you can work in another part of the world get paid more yeah. your, your workload is not so intense or it is intense but you know you're just given more support mm. because of, you know i've my, the family member that's a doctor you can't even ask her like don't even ask her how her day is she doesn't want to talk like don't ask her how work is she doesn't want to talk about it like when she's not there she's just she's left it behind and she wants to be totally out of that system while while she's not at work so um i get it i get it but we're going to talk a bit about your like kind of your social media is your platform's grown and um i don't know if it's a result of your social media but you've now um writing a book or written a book can you give us a bit more interest yeah. about what that's about and kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, sure. So um, my social media, my, my Instagram account grew quite quickly, actually, mm-hmm. last year. Um, and I think I'm on like 100,000 now, which mm. is like, oh, my gosh. I was sitting there the other day thinking 100,000 people actually want to listen to what I've got to say. <laughs> you know? um, but last year, I, I'd always wanted to write a book, mm. always. And for years but I always thought you know people just regular people just don't get book deals you know mm. and I know you can still you can self-publish you can you know you can get five thousand pounds and go and print yourself a load of books but then you have to do everything yourself all the marketing yeah. all the food all the, you know copy yeah selling it everything <laughs> I, I, I haven't got time for that mm. but then to get a book deal with a publisher regular people just don't get it and then I, then I thought well actually well they do but I wouldn't know where to start but anyway it did help having mm. the the big platform did help because when you've got a big platform, book agents or literary agents and publishers look at you more. They do. Mm-hmm. Because they know that you've got people to sell the book to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I kind of I kind of use that, I guess, to my advantage and mm-hmm. um thought, you know what, I'm just gonna go for it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I I approached a literary agent and she said, Yep, that was fantastic. I couldn't even believe that she actually opened my 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 email. Um and it went from there. So the book is um, is basically Mid- Midwife Marley's Guide for Everybody: Pregnancy, oh. Birth, and Fourth Trimester. So it's a it's a manual really about getting through pre- about pregnancy, mm-hmm. what to expect. I've written as much as I possibly can on all aspects of the pregnancy, 
uh, a bit like a almost like an encyclopedia, but it's it's going to be illustrated with my little drawings. You know, my yeah, little yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I remember. I remember when I first fell on your page, I was like, what are these stickers? Because I'm terrible. I have no artistic skills in that department. So when I saw your stickers, I was like, do you know what? I can relate to these. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, my, my son, so my eldest son, he he he's great. He's an he's a, he's an art he's a mm. artist. I mean, mm-hmm. like he can do fine art. He can draw portraits. He's amazing. He's got talent. Um, I haven't got that skill, but I thought, you know what? I can draw stick people. You know, <laughs> so um, <laughs> just to try and kind of get my point across. Yeah, so, illustrate the point. My, yeah, yeah. My thing was, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna try and teach people about pregnancy and birth. Make it a little bit humorous at points. Mm. Uh, you know, and and do it through these these silly little doodles. Um, but the literary agent loved it, and she says, "You know what? Let's use those in your book." So the book is because there's loads of pregnancy books. I mean, how mm. many authors are out there that write about pregnancy? Loads, hundreds, mm. thousands. Um, so I don't want to just be one of them. I wanted to do something that was different. Mm-hmm. So I'm interesting with that. Um, focus on pregnancy and birth, and how to how to prepare yourself for a positive birth. You yes, know? Um, yeah. And then a big focus afterwards on the fourth trimester because there's not enough. Most of the pregnancy books they'll talk about pregnancy and birth and then it kind of is a little bit about afterwards and that's it but I've tried to be a bit more extensive going right up to three months after birth you know mm. what to expect how to get through through those those nights when your baby's just screaming non-stop or it feels like they're feeding non-stop um and drawing on my experiences as a midwife but as a mum as well yeah, yeah. you know to kind of combine them both together and yeah so the book is um it's going to be released officially next spring it's available for pre-order but it's you know they've got a a, a lot to do between now and mm. now and then and I'm really looking forward to it I can't, I can't wait yeah because it, it, it becomes real even though you know you've been working yeah. on it, see the end product I'm sure it's going to be amazing yeah. because um the week that I'm actually interviewing is maternal mental health week and you kind of just mm. mentioned about having a positive birth experience and kind of what do you what should like general tips on how a woman can, can prepare because I know for myself I honestly mm. just felt like I would, you know, you're just thrown, obviously thrown into the deep end. My girls were, you know, I didn't expect to have twins and then they were premature. I just felt like I was totally not prepared. For, so even though I did do reading and stuff, I still didn't feel prepared. So just kind of any general mm-hmm. tips that you would give people for a positive yeah. well, experience. It's, it's, it's interesting because some people will say, um, oh, there's no point with birth. There's no point writing a birth plan or planning for birth because, you know, it just goes out the window. But I, I don't agree with that line of mm. thinking. Mm. Um, and the reason that I don't agree with it is because you, I mean, I, I don't call it a birth plan. I call it birth preferences. Mm-hmm. You need to fill yourself with knowledge. You need to understand about birth, how birth works, to be able to decide what it is you think you would like, what you're hoping for. Different things like who do you want to cut the cord and, you know, just, just general things like that. Um, and then you can kind of plan out what you what you're hoping for so that that person who's looking after you in labor knows what your wants and your wishes are Mm. and can try to help you work towards that it's not about being unrealistic it's not about oh well you know you write a plan and then it all just goes out the window that's not necessarily the case and if you if you build yourself up with with, um, as much knowledge as possible then you can work towards having a positive experience so i i talk about steps to having an empowering birth and most the majority of people aim to have a straightforward vaginal birth mm-hmm. you get some people who are scared of childbirth and who want to opt up a cesarean 
most of us will um, strive towards having a complication, intervention-free. Of course. That's, mm -hmm. what, that's what we're aiming for, isn't it? Mm. Right? So the first thing I would say is learn. Learn mm. about, learn as much as you can about birth, mm. you know. Um, I, um, I had, uh, I remember being on the labor ward once and having a call from a, a dad, um, a really worried dad. And I said, oh, is everything okay? He said, my wife's 40 weeks pregnant today. I said, yes, okay. And he said, but she's not gone into labor. You know, what do we do? What, what do we do? Do we come in or, you know, so he, so they, ha they didn't have, they hadn't educated themselves about, yeah, that about, about pregnancy, the length mm -hmm. of pregnancy, the fact that actually you can go overdue, mm -hmm. that your due date is due date. Mm. um we don't necessarily say hey you know you're 40 weeks come in and let's let's get things going um so just having that knowledge about how birth works knowing when to go into the hospital or into the birth center or when to call your midwife if you're having a home birth uh understanding about the physiology of birth and the fact that yes it can take some time some people have really quick birth some people have difficult ones um learning what you can do to make the process easier or to help make the process easier things like perineal massage to reduce the risk of having tears eating dates to um shorten the length of your or to help shorten the length of your labor and to make things easier eating well in pregnancy uh, exercising if you can i know people probably roll their eyes when i talk about exercise but studies have shown that if you have a healthy diet and you, and you exercise even if it's like 20 minute walk a day 15 minute walk a day mm that your chances of having a smooth, shorter labor are much higher, you know? So things like that. And um, choosing the right birthing environment, which includes, when I say environment, I mean, not just what's around you, but also who you have with you as a birthing partner. Yeah. If you've got your birth partner and they are an absolute, you know, emotional wreck, that's not the sort of person you, you, you need. need. To have <laughs> no. You know? and, mm. and, and, if, and if that's your, if that's the other parent of the baby, then choose someone else as well. Get someone else mm. in there with you, if mm. you can. I mean, I know things are difficult at the moment because we're in a pandemic, but you need somebody with you that is going to be supportive, not that's, not someone that's going to make you panic. Because if they make you panic, then your adrenaline is going to go up and it's just going to make your labour a lot more complicated. You know what I mean? Okay. So choosing, right, yeah, choosing the right environment, the right birth partner, um, making sure you do your research, prepare your body. And also preparing your mind as well. I mean, you probably know that I, mm. I teach hypnobirthing. Mm. And a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, what's this hypnosis? You're going to change my mind? No, it's not about that. It's about, it's about helping to um, kind of eliminate fear and promote calm. It's not a guaranteed you're going to have the perfect birth. What it, what it will do is just to help you focus and kind of reset and to keep your um, the positive hormones flowing rather than the adrenaline, which is going to stop the labor process rather than kind of keep it going so there are so many things that you can do it's not about let's just try and wing it i'm pregnant i'm just going to wing it now and see what happens yeah because then yeah. when you go into when you go to the birthing room when you go into the uh, labor labor room you're not going to have a clue you, people are going to be walking towards you offering you this that, and the other and you're going to be like what what's that what's the oxytocin drip i don't know what that is because you haven't educated yourself on it so knowledge is is key <laughs> it really no is. definitely i definitely agree with that and also i just want to speak because um sometimes i feel like i'm in a catch-22 because with my my experience um you know there was a lot of trauma there and stuff and i don't mind sharing to share knowledge or let other people know that the feelings that they might be have is not abnormal to feel those feelings 
But some of the stuff I find with social media, sometimes they get we, we get stuck at the trauma part. There's no conversation, which, which, how to get past it or what does the healing journey. That's why I was quite happy with the maternal health mm. week this week. That is about journey, journey to healing. Um, yeah. So if, so if, if you, I don't know if you have clients that might have had bad experience or not bad, but you know, some sort of trauma there, mm. how do you support them? And what kind of you do you suggest for them to kind of move past and not mm. be stuck in the trauma and move on to their healing? Yeah, I think, because um, I do have a few clients that have had um, not so great experiences first time round, mm. which is one of the reasons why they've kind of um, come to me to, to, to kind of help get the support for, for their next birth. Um, but I think the first thing is to, if, if we're talking about, talking about birth trauma, is to understand what happened and, and why, if there's any kind of explanation for it, because... All too often, women have, will have traumatic birth experiences, and they won't know why. What? Why? Why did that happen? Why? Yeah. Why was I given? Why was I given this? Why did this? You know, why did I have to have an emergency cesarean? Or um, why did I have to have an episiotomy? Nobody explained it to me. Mm. Most hospitals will have a debrief service, so you can call up, even if it's like a year later, or you're pregnant again, and say, "Hey, I need to speak to somebody about what happened during my birth." And what they will do is they'll invite you in for an appointment. They'll get your old um, maternity notes out and they'll sit there and they'll talk you through everything. And that gives you the opportunity to ask questions mm. and work out, you know, what happened and why. Because when you're in labour, often yeah. you, you, you're in you a vulnerable state, your mind's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and often you're not hearing what people are saying. So to be able to kind of reflect in hindsight and talk to somebody, that is, for a lot of people, not for everybody, but that is a good way to kind of start the healing process. And then... From that, if you're pregnant again, finding a care provider, um, whether it's a private or NHS, someone that is willing to kind of help you work towards a better experience. Yeah, yeah. Second or third time round, because you need that support. You know, you need you need to have somebody that's kind of on your page and that will help you. Yeah, help you kind of work towards more of a positive experience. And then if you're feeling like, it's, you know, things still aren't right, perhaps you're suffering with anxiety or depression, and there are other services out there as well. Some some NHS trusts will have a perinatal mental health service mm-hmm. that um, will work with you through your pregnancy towards your your, your next birth. Um, not, all set, not all areas do, unfortunately, which is a bit of a, bit of a shame. You've still got your, your midwife, you've still got a health visitor. Health visitors, I think now, they get in contact with you antenatally as well. Okay. So you can reach out to your health visitor, GP, and there's other like charitable organisations such as PANDAS, which are um, uh, like a maternal mental health awareness mm-hmm. um, which offer lots and lots of advice. So there, there, is, there are, there are organisations out there and there are people out there that are willing to listen and help. Um, move forward for a bit for a better experience mm. okay well that, yeah because that's it I had to for me it, it took a while because I think especially mm. you know how it is the first year you're in survival mode anyway mm. so you kind of just and because when you have sick, sick children you, you don't you're not at the forefront of your mind you keep, you know you're just worrying about your children and then mm. it took about a year and a half for me to like sit back and be like no okay and I, I need to I need to delve into this now I need to deal with it because mm. I could feel like, you know, you just know that something's not right. There's a fe- there was just a feeling that, and every time you, I would think about my birth or think about that whole experience, I would, would get mm. 
upset I might not outwardly seem but I could feel it in myself that I was getting upset so that's something I had mm. to work through but um I got to a point where I was like no I need to I need to I need to deal with it but I just find sometimes because mm. I get messages from I've literally had messages from people who are like their child's in NICU and they're messaging me mm. like what tips or what do I suggest and then they've come back to me a couple of months later and just said no the, you know the things that you've mentioned really really help so it's good it's good to know but those kind of things I think it's spoken about now when I first kind of popped onto social media after I had my children, it still was very much, oh, you know, I've had my water birth and here's my baby. And, and there was no no other conversation outside of that. So I know it can feel quite, I know in my case, you can feel quite isolated when you don't know yeah. where to, to go because everyone's just talking about their great experience. And when you didn't have one, you yeah. feel, quite, feel quite isolated. Yeah. And there's lots of people who don't have the best experience, mm. you know, um, Lots and lots and lots, but it's it's those those women knowing that they're not alone. That there are yeah. so many people out there who haven't had the best best experience. And yes, you know, I'm all for thinking positively. Of course. And, and, and when you're not pregnant, when you when you're pregnant, um, trying to avoid negative birth stories because that's, oh, that's definitely. Really but at the same time, you know, you need to be educated on 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 all eventualities. You need mm. to. Um, and in the postnatal period, have realistic expectations mm. of what it's going to be like. You know, the amount of people who, which shocks me, who I will visit when they've had a baby and they, they genuinely seem shocked about the, the amount of time babies spend crying in the night. You know, they genuinely did not realise it would be like that. Mm. And, and I think to myself, who, who on earth was looking after this couple in mm. the pregnancy? Mm. do you know what I mean because no one's not safe to them babies cry at night they mm. often newborn babies will often sleep during the day and will often cry and scream all night long mm. why aren't why aren't these parents being told this why are they said why are they being set these expectations well, you know because they they haven't been told they haven't been told otherwise the, the amount of parents that will have a baby and just assume that they just wake up once in the night for a feed and go back to sleep oh my gosh if my baby woke up once in that feed I'll be laughing <laughs> <laughs> you'll you be walking around like skipping I think because I know in my case because I've literally had friends because I'm very conscious of that I know I've had I have had a negative experience but I, unless my friends specifically ask me or pray I don't go into it with them because that definitely doesn't mean it's going to be your your um your experience but two of my friends have literally said to me Georgia you're the only person who's given it to me, like, like you've given me an answer that now that I've gone into it is actually reality. And mm. I don't know why, I don't know why we gloss over it. Because even I said to my mum about the night sweats, and I look, when, mm. I, when I was going through it, I was talking to my mum, I was like, mum, why didn't you tell me this? Like, no one speaks about the night sweats or the, like, cramp, like the cramping you feel sometimes when you're, everything's okay. going back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> my mum was just like, oh, you know, you don't want to scare, I didn't want to scare you, but, you know, this is womanhood. I'm like, no, we need to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Because I had Definitely. no clue. No clue. Definitely. Definitely. It's so, it's so important. I mean, I've I've done posts on um, talking about after, after the after pains, mm. especially the more children you have, the worse it gets. I mean, gosh, I remember my last baby um, being in, in hospital because I gave birth to her in hospital, and um, this was this was like a day later, twenty four mm. hours later, and I was writhing around on the bed with these cramps, and I had to have morphine mm. <laughs> because it was so bad. Wow. Mm. You know, and 
But I knew that because each time I had a baby, it got worse and worse and worse. Mm. So for me to say to say to women, you know, you may, you might not, but you may experience cramping pain after birth. Mm. And um, if you've had one baby, it's, it's, it tends not to be that bad. But by the time you get to like four or five, it can be like almost like you're going back into uh, early labor again. And, and that's because if I didn't tell you that and you suddenly started having these pains afterwards, you'd, you'd think that something's wrong. You'd yeah. think that, oh my mm. God, is there another baby in there? Mm. Have, is, is there a twin that we've forgotten about or something? <laughs> <laughs> it can feel like that, you know, for some people. Uh, so for, certainly for me, that's how it felt the fifth mm. time around. Honestly, it felt like I was in labour again. Um, and also things like talking about how long you bleed for after the birth. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I mean some people don't realise that it can go on for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Do you know what I mean? You know, so just being kind of candid about certain things. Not what I wouldn't do is um, openly say to someone who's pregnant without them without them asking me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had I had a horrendous experience. You know, yeah. I was I was I was cut left, right, and you know I wasn't by the way. But if you know if I was, mm. I was cut in the, any which way. I mean, what would that do to somebody who's mm. having a baby? It'd scare them half to death, wouldn't it? Mm. And not put them in the right mindset mindset. so it's knowing what to say and knowing when and when to say it you know it's really 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 interesting so we're just going to round up because obviously we haven't really touched on that you're you're i I like to say og twin mum your your boys how old are you how old are you your son they're they're 13 they're 14 oh so they're the teen 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 age Um, any like any tips or anything you would say for twin mums that are on the early end or you know like early or toddler stage just how mm. to cope any tips there gosh um, you know what the only thing I can say is get yourself try and get into a routine early yeah. <laughs> when they're born something that I didn't do and I didn't and I and I, and I didn't have a clue because obviously I'd, I'd never had I'd had one baby but I never had two before hmm. um I was doing the whole feed on demand thing and that was no no not when you've got not not when you've got two yeah. you know you have to feed them both at the same time otherwise I'll have you they'll be running rings around you um get help you know if, if you if you've got support if you're offering um uh help then just take it especially yeah. when they're especially when they're toddlers you know and they're or they're babies I mean I, I had someone who used to come around to hold them or to help me just so that I could go and get in the shower mm. because I couldn't, I couldn't fit both bouncers they they used to be in these little baby chairs mm. and with my first baby I would put him in the chair on the floor in the bathroom while I had a shower so I could just keep an eye on him with two my bathroom was so small at the time that I couldn't fit, fit them in there mm. so it was like I can't I don't want to get in the shower and have them out of my sight even though they, they couldn't crawl or anything yeah um I wanted to have them within within sort of eyesight so just having someone come around and help me was was a was a, was a massive help mm. you know um to take support if you can and just don't be too hard on yourself yeah. there's no wrong or right way with twins you just sometimes I'm, I'm all for preparation and routine but sometimes you have to wing it mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes you just especially when you've got one running off in one direction one or the other you just, just do whatever you whatever you feels right yeah. um don't put too much pressure on yourself and they all get to an age where you know they're not it's not so much hard work mm. you know what I mean and one of the good things about having twins, I will say, is that I found in comparison to having my single twins, is that 
they entertain each other. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm getting at that stage now, so yeah. it's good. Yeah, they're not all, they're not all over me so much. Like with yeah. my my single babies, they're very very clingy to me, very clingy. Whereas with the twins, they were great. Like I put them in nursery, and they wouldn't scream too much if I walked off because they had each other. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely definitely plus size, uh, sides to it as well. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're getting to that stage where they. Would literally be in their room and playing and I'm like wait a minute you've been a bit quiet go in and they're like mommy we're playing I'm like oh okay okay I'll go <laughs> you know go, go back at the room and leave them um yeah we're finally getting to that stage because bef- mm. like earlier on it still was like pl- like mm. play with me and you know we all, all play together but we're getting mm. to that stage now so it's nice but um, I just want to say thank you Marla I know you're super busy so I appreciate the time mm-hmm. And um, I'll you know I follow so we'll we'll be in each other's DMs so we'll speak soon. Absolutely, thank you. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Oh Shit Twins podcast. You can find me Georgia Martel at Oh Shit Twins on Facebook and Instagram, and my website is ohshittwins.com. I'll be posting new episodes once every two weeks, and in the meantime, you can like, comment, and subscribe.